0: Welcome to The Disenfranchised, helping you to find a career path away from employment by exploring the franchise community. My name's Ed Pennell, and I'll be speaking with the entrepreneurs, experts, and leaders from across the franchise community, discovering their life stories and hearing their tips for success away from the typical 9-to-5 grind. On this episode, I'm speaking with Richard Chambers, the founder of Get A Drip. Get A Drip is a business that offers affordable IV vitamin drips and injections to the masses in order to make optimum nutrition accessible for all. The business was founded in 2017 and is now a franchised opportunity but um, I'm really interested to speak to Richard on this episode because I haven't got a clue what an IV vitamin drip is for and who's using it and, and why they would be using it. It's it's a, a very new concept to me, and I think that that's quite exciting in itself, especially because there's opportunity for people to, to get on board with this brand and, um, yeah, I, I guess sharing his success. So looking forward to finding out why um, set up a business in this area, what led him to do that, and and find out a little bit about his background to see what, what sort of person finds this, this kind of world and, um, and makes a business from it, you know? Um, and also, where, where are these um, uh, locations? Where can you get these IV drips? It's, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one, I think. So um, talking of interesting, I, I find it interesting how everything in today's world is is personalized to the user. A lot of things are anyway. And uh, the, the most successful brands tend to have uh, availability 24-7 or they'll personalize a process to fit the individual And um, the businesses that don't are missing out on sales opportunities. In fact, um, 30 billion pounds worth is lost in sales or missed opportunities every year in the UK alone. And that's quite a significant stat. And it's just because they're missing calls or don't have enough time to give the customers the service they expect. And franchise brands are no exception. Uh, And that's where our sponsors for the podcast today, Symphony, step in. Um, They offer outsourced customer support services so you can focus on growing your business or your franchise while they take care of your calls, emails, and web chats. Uh, The idea is that they take the strain and their team of customer experts will respond to your customers' inquiries and questions quickly and accurately while keeping them happy and coming back for more. Uh, The expertly trained team that they have provides live chat, email response, social media management and phone call handling 24 hours a day, seven days a week, meaning you'll never miss an opportunity. Uh, If you want to check check out Symphony and find out more about their services for franchisees, franchisors or or general business, make sure you visit www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. All right, no more chat from me. Let's jump straight into the interview with Richard Chambers, the founder of Get A Drip. Here it goes. All right, so Richard, welcome to Disenfranchised. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Uh, thank you for very much having me on it.
0: Hey, no problem at all. It's um, it, it it's going to be a really interesting one for me because um, I I saw you on a a video or an interview, I think, with with uh, one of my friends, and I was. Like what the hell is this I don't, I've got no idea what your business is, how it works, why people are buying into it so i'm I'm really interested to find out about your your business and um yeah what what it's meaning for the world in general but um before we dive into all of that, I think it'd be great to um, start off like I do with all of my guests and just find out really what was your your first job after leaving education
1: i do had, uh, had to think after leaving education so my first oh, job.
0: can be before yeah. if you want yeah.
1: Yeah, I wrote it down. There's, there's, the first job was when I was 13, paper round, um, and then since that point, I've never not had a job, even during and after education. So yeah, always, uh, always been in work or like wanting to work to have my own money. I can uh, have a bit more freedom
0: basically. yeah that's cool I, I don't think I was working at 13 I think I managed to get to 14 or 15 and I was forced to get a job to pay my way at home a little bit but <laughs>
1: yeah well I think back then if you wanted like an Nokia 3310 or something because you want to face Snake on it um, then you needed to get get the get the, get the cash in um i've I sub, I sub, sub some of it out to my sisters as well so that's always quite a, always been
0: a bit of a businessman <laughs> yeah that's that's really smart you're the second person who said they they did that um somebody i've interviewed before they said that um they they got one paper round and then they took up other paper rounds because they were unreliable reliable um paper boys but what he did is he just subbed it out to his friends and his family and and got them going out there and doing it for him and <laughs> it just took took a cut off of every single one and uh yeah, I thought it was quite interesting. But do, do you feel like you've always had kind of a bit of an entrepreneurial drive then from a, a younger age?
1: Um, yeah, I can remember trying to when eBay first came about. So eBay, my dad had an eBay account first came about. I remember I bought like 45 watches off there and then I went and sold them at school. Um, so it's so a del boy type thing. So other so watches, could you buy them in bulk of eBay? Not many people knew what eBay was. So you're able to like buy at really, really cheap prices, sell them at like You buy them for like, five pounder watch you sell it for 20 pound a watch or something like that and it's worth maybe 50 pounds um and then I ended up having a on, uh, sell some of the watch it doesn't fit i like, can fit it for five or something like that so yeah <laughs> so I ended up being fit, like, I didn't think about that I sold all these watches and they didn't fit people they bought the presents. present so, oh we need to need it fit I bought a tool off eBay to fit like watches and stuff so yeah I've always done had like an entrepreneurial side
0: yeah wow I mean uh, selling watches at school how did you know that was going to be a, a like a, a good market
1: I didn't really it's just that the watches were so cheap um and I brought one to try it out and they looked good and someone said oh where'd you get that from and then a few people started asking it and ask about it like word of mouth and then I just brought a whole box uh, box so I think that's like the first time I'd uh, done something entrepreneur I just went with a gut feeling at that age I don't think there's any analysis or anything like that it's just just go with it and when you do when you do when you're only like 10 pounds for a paper round anything
0: anything's better than that right yeah yeah that's true that's true I I know people at my school it was more sweets that was the the thing it wasn't so high-end as watches it was like sherbet from the local market (laughs) and, (laughs) and things like that but yeah no that's cool so so okay let's move on to after education then kind of where did what happens i mean do you go um, through university and things so, like that or
1: yeah so i sort of went to university um did um civil engineering so nothing to do with like, business really um, sort of guided because my dad was like right you need a good degree off you go go do civil engineering I sort of said to him, there only maths in it because I really hate maths. I went, no, there's no maths in it. And then There's more maths in a civil engineering degree than in a maths degree. So that was horrendous. Um, but I uh, failed my first year at uni, um, realised that actually I should probably work a bit harder and that uni let me back in and complete my master's, my civil engineering degree. At the same time, I got sponsored while I was there by an engineering company. So I went to uni at Loughborough and I got a job summer placement, Eastern placement type job uh, in Leicester, just like half an hour away. Um, so during uni I like I didn't have any downtime so I was either at uni working or in the holidays I was working um, to get more cash at like a um, sponsorship engineer company um, and then when I'd come back from that engineering company I'd then go do a night round at Domino's so I, I was, I've always had like that so I guess work ethic to do quite hard work um, I did that for the five years at uh, uni um, in the last year of uni I managed to get a, uh, opened up the times 100 top graduate uh, employers and PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers at the top. So I thought oh, I'd apply for them, Applied for them, and I got a graduate scheme with them. So as soon as I finished uni, um, had a few months off and traveled to Australia, and I came back onto the PwC uh, graduate scheme. So,
0: yeah, wow, that's cool. So, so, so why civil engineering? Was that?
1: Um, was just, <laughs> it sort of wasn't my choice. My dad was like, look, it's a good degree. Uh, you get to design buildings, roads, road and bridges. Sounds more glamorous than it is in reality. It's still good. Yeah. Really- counting numbers and doing math equations and stuff so but it sounded better than it was and it was a good degree and it sort of held you could go off into different types of work if you didn't have to become a civil engineer so it just gave a bit more flexibility um, when you come out if that's what
0: you want to do. Yeah yeah that's fair enough I mean it's interesting you say it was your, your kind of father's idea and I think a lot of people go through that right they they have this um, moment of indecision when they're young don't really know where they can direct themselves and kind of just go where the parents kind of guide them towards? Yeah,
1: I think, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of the education system. It's sort of like Pythagoras is not going to help you get a business loan, uh, learning about, I don't know, it's just like, look, in the education system, so you have to learn, you have to prove that you can do it. So you can prove that you are able to do that skill set and therefore they'll give you a sort of a higher paid, qualified job, but it's just sort of like, if you're not doing great exams, how are you ever going to be rewarded? It's always the same type of people that are rewarded. So... I'm not sure that there's like that practical stuff that you learn at schools um, that's actually useful. Um, I probably learned more in my first year, in my first three months running Get Drip than I did in my entire life beforehand. And then prior to that, it probably be when I was at PwC looking at different companies, seeing how they worked. Um, yeah. And then any stuff I learned at uni and A level in school, not used ever. So I don't know, I'm not a big fan of the education system as it is anyway, because I do, I do really like school. But,
0: yeah, fair enough. And I, I wonder, um, how, how long were you with PwC for?
1: Um, so I was on the graduate scheme. So I did I was with them for five years. I did the three years in audit. Yeah. Um, don't, don't work at audit.
0: <laughs> I don't <laughs> think there's uh, that uh, many people that like it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, oh, I didn't even know what audit was. So I was a civil engineer, applied to the PwC graduate scheme. I was like, oh, great. Um, they've, got, they've got an opening at St Albans near me. I'll just apply for it. And I just remember I passed the final interview. and I didn't even know what an audit was so um yeah that's it that was interesting but i did my three years with them got my sort of chartered um accountancy qualification and then i moved to the london office sort of real estate financial due diligence type stuff for a couple of years and then after that when i started graduate.
0: yeah wow this is this is all sounding very far away from what your business is now so how do yeah. <laughs> talk to me through your career a little bit and how you got to the point where you are now
1: um yeah so in terms in terms of Obviously, it's quite standard, right? They've just got they've got hundred different levels, and you can sort of go level one, two, three, four, get your childship go five, six. So I sort of just worked my way up through like the corporate ladder, uh, but was not. I'd only ever probably give twenty or thirty percent of what I was actually capable of at work because it didn't, it's not it's not something I really want to do. And I think it's most people are probably in that place when they don't realise it. They're actually, what am I doing here? Why do I actually want to do this with my life? Um, and you look at, like, say, a partner at PWC, and you're like, Do I want to be in that position in 10 years? No, how am I going to get to it? Probably unlikely <laughs> it's because I'm not able to give myself 100% because it's not something I really love to do. Um, so that was this sort of career. Uh, get a drip was it's sort of I'm type one diabetic, um, so it's more finding something for my own needs to sort of boost my health and wellness was essentially get a drip. So I just I mean, being at PwC is great, it taught me lots of skill sets, how to build business plans, how to look at businesses, how to use Excel, how to use, how to do management presentations, how to, how to hold meetings. The, the array of skill sets you've got, I got from them was amazing. I was able to use all of that. Yeah. To bring over to starting my business. Um, and then the, the quality and expectation of PwC is like up here. So I'd always
0: prefer,
1: like to train to perform to the best. Um, so yeah, that's the
0: skill set I brought from PwC, but it has nothing to do with get Trip. No, no, that's it. But it it's interesting what you're saying there. You've you've learned a lot of skills um, from from being there, but actually uh, wasn't where your heart is. And I think there's a lot of people out there that like that. And I've I've actually interviewed myself a lot of people that come away from a, a, a PwC or a Deloitte or someone like that because yeah, they they don't enjoy it so much because they've they've perhaps. Um, pigeonholed rather than given an opportunity to to explore different avenues of business it's uh, from what i understand from some of these people it's that's your role and you just do that and you kind of uh you follow this path to that point and if you don't want to go to that point you kind of you kind of stuck there or you have to move on don't you you know you're stuck on that path or you have to move on and yeah exactly.
1: you could do working at like the big corporates or you then go work with one of your clients at the big corporates but it's still the same in it's not. There's not that much innovation and like, thinking outside the box. It's like it's very much limited in what we can do. Yeah. Uh, but the skill set's amazing. Like I don't get everyone The training there's amazing. The heights of expectations amazing. Um, because they're like the top graduate employer. They employ all the best people. Therefore, it's really competitive. So everyone around you is like just uh, like performing at that level. So you get used to performing at that level. and you take all that skill set away. So when you go, to, it's no wonder that a lot of people will leave deloits the pwcs or whatever because they just had this amazing skill set and they've had like been operating to such a high standard so when you need to do something you're always going to do it
0: it's the best you can do yeah and i i when i say i've interviewed people that's within um engineering um companies or oil and gas industry and things like this and you tend to see them go into um ceo type roles because they've got that really kind of um good base of business skill sets that are ingrained into them and and as you say being performed at a a very high level so so that that's definitely going to hold you in good stead then so um how and why did you you start get a drip
1: so get a drip that's a a good question so originally um so diabetic hangovers are the worst like you think the hangover is bad add diabetes in and it's just the worst like the worst hangovers you've ever had and i was like i still want to go out I just thought to myself, there's got to be a way that I don't have to feel absolutely crap for a week. Uh, there has to be a way to feel better. Uh, mm-hmm. So I started Googling it and I found this thing called like, the hangover bus in the States. And it's a bus that drove around Vegas giving people drips the day after so they felt back to normal again. Um, so that that was my original intention. I was like, right, these, this, this can help my diabetes hangover. All the people in the city, they don't want hangovers. It's all going to have a drip, and they're going to be uh, want to feel fresh the next day. I'll have a bus that drives around London and people get on with a hangover and they got off at work. So they get a travel ride to free to work. With that was like the original idea. Um, so then I started looking at places in the UK that had had it. Um, and then I discovered that actually it's more than just like a hangover drip, like vitamin drips are like this whole like like hangovers sort of, to sort of give it a bad name, really, they tarnish it a bit so you push that to one side. Um, the vitamin drips have so many sort of health benefits that you can't officially say, but you Google around them, there are tons of health benefits uh, around them. So. I sort of then going well actually i had this idea it sort of morphed when i was researching So i spent about two three four years researching it before i launched but like, i morphed actually into this idea of fitment drips i went and tried a few in london and the price point was about thousand pounds three or four hundred pounds i was like down harley street um clearly there's a lot of sleds and other people that are doing it and they wouldn't do it if it didn't work or Yeah, that's sort of the research and sort of why i started is actually to help myself um at the time I'd probably as a diabetic I'd end up in hospital two or three times a year. So there'd be like neurovirus would come around. i get neurovirus and that's it. Bang, body can't cope in hospital give me a drip. Um or this happened, get this illness, or it's giving me a tummy, but my immune system's just not great. Um yeah. so I was like, there has to be something I can do about that. Um since I started get drip, I actually actually have been to admit to hospital once in that's like five years now. Where before it'd be, I don't know, where it's working too hard, being run down all the time, the immune system, all of that stuff, and plus my medical conditions as well, probably affected it. But that—that's essentially why I started to get a trip.
0: Okay, so what, what? Go go back to those um, those those hangover <laughs> drips then <laughs> that are going around in in the US. What what's actually in them?
1: So it depends. There's like different people put different stuff in them, but the main thing is just it's a it's the the base basic one is just a bag of saline um it's got all like all your salts or heartlands it's got like your electrolytes fit to your body but essentially it's a liter of fluid i mean people do different sizes of the bags, so well, but let's just say it's a liter of fluid that goes into your body straight into your blood system um biggest cause of is dehydration so bypassing your gut you're going to restore your electrolytes it's a third of your daily intake for the day within like half an hour
0: yeah it's interesting because i i I kind of sussed that one out myself, that electrolytes were good for, for, for getting um, fluid into your body. So I, <laughs> I very rarely have hangovers, but of course, I occasionally do have one. But <laughs> 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 but when I do, what I'll do is I'll, I'll have, uh, they're, they're like, um, like Barocas, but they're um, for cyclists. Uh, I think it's High Five or something like that they're called. But I just pop a couple of those in. And I, I had generally found that they are really good for me to, to 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 relieve the 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 issues that come from having a hangover i guess i mean yeah. it's not perfect but i know it kind of helps me on on, the, on that path to recovery but i'm guessing what these drips then are kind of like a, an amped up version of that that get into the system quicker i mean how, how, what's the kind of yeah
1: so like parking hangovers aside um basically yeah they, it's all about now it's about health and wellness so it's all about what you absorb not what you eat um, the amount of times we have the, uh, a client coming to the clinic, they've got the perfect diet, they're on the perfect supplements, they're eating nutritionally balanced food, we finger pricked their finger, put a bit of blood on the machine, 15 minutes later it tells us their vitamin D levels, oh look, you're deficient. So yeah. like, we, we're doing a bit of research in the minute, we've got, we've got about a thousand results and we're looking at like that, but 95% of people are deficient in vitamin D, so if all these people are eating the right foods, they're getting outside, this is all year round as well, it's not just in winter when there's not much sunlight, but like if they're doing all of this, they're still deficient and that's just vitamin D. You could probably argue it's the same for all the different classes. And so it's more what we look at is it's more about what you absorb rather than what you eat because you can eat the right foods, but if the food's over farmed, um, if your DNA is missing, so we do DNA testing to look at people's DNA, Um, if your DNA is missing certain genes, you can't absorb certain foods. If you're not eating them like, the right food types and stuff. There's like studies that show like 100 potatoes is equivalent now as equivalent to like one potato X amount of year, about 50 years ago. The food just doesn't have the vitamin C in it it used to. I think there's a stat, 23, you'd have to eat 23 oranges today to get the same amount of vitamin A from one orange from the 1950s. So like the food population's gone up, we're having to over-farm, food moves around sources and basically people just aren't getting the right nutrients into their blood system. So that's sort of where we come in Because we can do blood testing, we can do gut testing, we can do DNA testing, we can do medical histories and stuff, and then we can really tailor the product, but it's delivered right into the bloodstream system, so it bypasses all this malabsorption and gut issues, like out of the five steps to get into your blood system, it's step five, so it bypasses all of that and you get 100% of the dose into your blood.
0: Yeah. It's starting to make more sense to me now i can i can i can see it but um I'm, i want to come i want to dig into that a, a little deeper in a, in a moment but before we do i, I just want to kind of find out okay so you, you've done this research and and understand uh, you know got to an, a point where you're understanding the opportunity how did you take the step to move away from employment into into to starting up this business and how did you find it
1: so i try i did absolutely everything i could before I handed in my notice. At um, one point, I was doing this market research trying to find out about different companies because a lot of them are medicinal products. It was really, really hard at the start to get information on prices. So I was doing a lot of research and like one of the directors called me into the office and was like, oh, we've had this email with, what's this vitamin um, drip? I was like, mmm. <laughs> I've done some like market research, but sent it off for the wrong email. The email's oh, no. And it's just like, oh yeah. So that's when I started to think, oh, it's starting to clash now, a bit with work. Uh, I'd work really hard. Like, there's a project on, I'd work till midnight or 1 a.m. But then, when there's not a project on, any downtime or evenings or weekends, so I'd spend on, on the business plan, uh, market research, trying to test test the idea. Um, so, I did as much as possible before I then handed in my notes. I think I handed in my notes I finished in September, and the business started trading in October. So, literally, yeah. I did it right. I planned as much as I could right up to the point uh, before I launched. Um, and that included stuff like we were trying to go around to find locations for the business and you'd speak to landlords, and then think, what, what the hell? Like, like imagine like we've been around, we're in like big shopping malls now, but back then it's like, no one had done this on the high streets. It's like, what, no, thanks. Not in my shop. Um, so yeah. no one would give us space. So then what we had to do is we had to make a van. So literally we built a clinic on wheels, uh, right. Uh, because that meant that we could drop it in different locations and, and test the idea. It's the cheapest way to test the idea, because we couldn't just pitch up outside cycling Cross in a tent, and go, oh, a try a trip, but there's certain regulations and health and safety issues that need to be adhered to. So that, that's how we sort of started. So we've got to the point that we've designed the van, the van was ready to go, we've got a location, we've built the business plan, we've got the Virgin start-up loan, um, i would interviewed the nurses, i had the team ready to go, all of that was done while I was still at PwC.
0: Yeah, wow. and,
1: um, and only said once I had a start date and the first training date, I then handled my notes.
0: How how confident did you did you feel that this was going to be successful?
1: Um, 100. I think you have to feel 100 right. So I think that's sort of a mindset, sort of um, fixed mindset, growth mindset type thing, which I'm a massive fan of. But you've got to believe it's going to happen. Every entrepreneur, I mean, there's a 90 percent chance it won't happen, but still, you're going to go into it believing 100 it's going to work. There's no way. There's a doubt in your mind. It's not. Uh, you wouldn't do it to
0: come up with another idea I guess yeah yeah really good point really good point so um from from that van then um how did you get to to be in yeah in in kind of um shop fronts or you know in, in, in a physical location or static location and um regulations I mean you mentioned them. what, what sort of regulations or hoops did you have to jump through oh, to to, to yeah. be able to have this <laughs> this business there
1: many so it's sort of this within the aesthetics industry, if you want to call it that, um the sort of private medical and medical, and you've got like the CQC who operate healthcare practices, they were like it wasn't very clear when we first launched whether it was CQC regulated or not. They've now only just confirmed last 14th of December gone that it is and they've given Ivy Drips as an example of the scope that this is actually regulated. But before that it's a bit like are you or aren't you? but we've got regulated with them anyway, just because it's better to do so shows you've got you can get stamped Adhering to the right standards, you've got like the medical and healthcare regulation authority, and you've got the advertising standards agency. Nurses, they're bound by their nursing NMC, and you've got doctors bound by their regulations So it's a whole host of sort of regulatory bits, and you just, we just, we knew people were doing it, and it is possible. So you just spend a lot of time sort of getting that right. It does change a lot, but well. um, in terms of going from the ban, to sh- so we had the ban. No one lets have it have a unit, Box Park, for the first people that said, oh yeah, we'll Box Park, Shoreditch, um, sort of quite, at the time, quite a trendy place. I guess other places are up and coming now, but at the time, Shoreditch was really sort, of, sort of trending place to be where new, new stuff like this would come about. So we asked for a unit there. Uh, they said yes. So essentially we put the van parked on my mum's drive um, and then we were in um, Box Park. So we fitted out our first unit there. Um, that was successful, and I think West, someone from Westfield came past and said, "Oh, we really like a senior place at pop park while I was out the weekend. Can we come and put you inside Westfield London?" Um, so we're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes, please." So we went and raised a bit of investment. Um, so I did a bit of raising because when I first started, I did sold some shares and brought a bit of investment on. And then uh, when we went to Westfield to pay for this new fancy, like fully real copper kiosk, because we want to show off. Like this is going to be the first one that we put in a big shopping centre. So. Yeah, Westfield sort of said, can we have you in? And after that, it's just we have all the landlords. There isn't a week goes by where three or four different landlords don't sort of contact me, sort of out across their network. Um, so after that, you know, what happened and then Westfield scratched happened. And then, yeah.
0: Wow. So I, so I think the first thought I had when I heard about this was who's using <laughs> your, your drips and 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 why you know what I mean uh, if you feel you've got generally what what I, in my perception of what what happens is when people feel they've got a they feel a bit low on energy or something like that, they go to kind of like um maybe barocas and stuff like that, and then they go to the doctors maybe if it's a bit more serious so i I get what you're saying you're you're hitting in getting people uh, a shortcut into step five right when they actually feel better really quickly. But um yeah, who who's who started coming to your 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 site and to your van and, and why what were their reasons for it?
1: Um it's such a good question. Um, everyone basically there's there's so many people that have so let's take B twelve. B twelve you can give it an injection in the arm. Um and the NHS will give it to you monthly, but you have to be really deficient, right? The NHS isn't there so we're talking about like optimum health and nutrition and like you're like there's it's not like it's not black and white, it's not, you are deficient. Yes or no, there's grades of deficiency. So like if you're deficient in vitamin D per NHS standards, you'll probably get rickets that they're there to stop you having such a deficiency that you won't get rickets. However, you're still going to be deficient per our scale. And then there's sufficient, and then there's like good. And then there's optimum. And so that's the whole scale of every type of vitamin there is, Just vitamin D is an example B12. so you go to the NHS, the NHS is there to help people when they're critically ill or acutely ill. Uh, they're not there to help you. Like, you're, like if you've got low vitamin C, you have scurvy. But if you have low vitamin C, but not low enough to have an impact needing the NHS to intervene, then, then what do you do? Um, then yeah. you can go to your brokers and stuff. But a lot of people will take these tablets and don't feel better. They have our drips instantly. They feel better. You go measure their blood so they can see the effect straight away on the levels. Uh, word of mouth is a big thing. Um, there's a lot of people in the uk that have various different deficiencies and a lot of people sort of have had their own health and they know their own health in and out uh, and they'll come to us telling us exactly what they need and here's these medical things i know i need this and i need this and this uh, we do some um. stuff around dna testing um, so basically you're testing dna and if you're missing certain genes you can't absorb the nutrients from your diet and supplements so then what do you do? The only reason, the only way to do that is to bypass it and go intravenous. Um, yeah. yeah. Stuff, vitamin D blood test, if we're testing people's blood for 30 pounds or whatever it is. Uh, get the result in 15 minutes. They were deficient. You're going to be like, oh man, I'm taking all these supplements and I'm still deficient. So then you have an injection because you know it's going to last for three months and you get a high dose.
0: But that, that's going to be my next question actually is how long is this effective for? Um... Um,
1: it, it's completely variable for like every person's your, your lifestyle, if you're going out every single night on the lash, it's going to be completely different to someone that doesn't. You've got underlying medical conditions, It's because again it's different, your DNA is different, every, everything is completely different, so it's tailored, some people need it more than others um, most people will come to us, like when they, so a lot of people might go, oh I've got cold and flu season I've got cold and flu, I feel absolutely rubbish I can't get out of bed, I'm going to go get a drip, so obviously we will see a lot of people around that time of season just want to pick me up uh, because they've got that, that well, but they're also taking all these supplements as well so a lot of people don't notice any people
0: you, you, you ask if you actually stop taking your supplements do you actually notice a difference yeah yeah it's interesting i mean uh, my my wife um uh has no thyroid so <laughs> vitamin d is on yeah yeah so I've, got, I've got i'm
1: on underactive thyroid as well so it comes with the diabetes
0: so. yeah alpha calcidol and, and yeah all that kind of stuff she she takes because um yeah, we, we'd gone traveling um, for our honeymoon and there was one point where um, we had been drinking and a bit dehydrated and, and stuff like this. And in the morning, yeah, she kind of uh, started to have a bit of a seizure because of the lack of um, vitamin D. So, um, yeah, I can see that in that scenario in particular for her, that would have been great to have had a drip and not worry about, because she'd forgotten to take the tablets at night four, yeah. sorry, I should have said because we were drinking, but... <laughs>
1: but, <laughs> key factor there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but yeah i could see where you know that could really especially if you're going traveling to to know that you're kind of covered for that period of time or for a certain amount of time that's that's quite beneficial um but just in general day-to-day life i know every single night she has to take these tablets and it might just be quite nice for her lifestyle not to have that just to have it once a quarter
1: um yeah.
0: She's used to having blood tests anyway, because she's uh, so, so the injections. is not an issue for her. So, um, yeah, i you've got me thinking now. Yeah, maybe that's mate. We're recording this on Valentine's Day, so maybe that's a Valentine's Day present <laughs> if I get you for her.
1: To the gift card shop. Look, we'll probably get you in anyway. As a favour for the, the having us on. So. um, but yeah. So, but yeah, it's all types of people. You couldn't narrow it down. You obviously got we have like big celebrities that come through to us, like huge names, like fifty million followers on Instagram type thing. Um, and then we've got sort of like people that work hard, they in the city, they're, they're people that live in cities who get more pollution, they want stuff like glutathione to detox more. People might have skin conditions, glutathione is known a bit a good for that, and, um, for collagen production, stuff like that. So, literally, there's so many different types of cl- people that come to us, but they go through our doctors and nurses and they'll end up having a tailored package. Um, We've got a list of like these are the different vitamins here's all the therapeutic indications and here's all the medical histories and that this is what that means it's all, it's all tailored to each person but you'd be amazed the type of like the variation of our science is humongous
0: yeah yeah it's cool it's, i'm certainly learning learning a lot about the, this this new world it's completely new to me i'm perhaps because i'm out in the sticks maybe but um
1: well there's i'd say over during covid i was taking this um well-known branded name of vitamin d tablet uh so we just brought out the, the injections and we brought out the instant testing so we're like right let's do some trials and so i took this super high dose tablet every single day for three months over summer so the sun was out and my vitamin d levels plummeted week on week month on month and i was like so it's, it's all about what you absorb into your bloodstream And i think there'll definitely be this this big sort of reckoning in the next life because there's so much going into health and wellness at the minute it's those health tech companies you've got free really do blood tests at home let's get checked do blood tests at home uh, people are starting to get more information it comes onto apps and then suddenly people are going to start going hang on a minute i'm taking a vitamin d supplement every day and my levels going down what's that about oh why is it not optimum and people will start to realize that actually the quality of the supplements out there is actually quite poor like 90 percent
0: yeah you're you're right the 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 wearable tech is going to help us to know our bodies better isn't it in the, in the long run um as covid came in I, I i saw uh an article i was talking about the this is potentially a good time for governments to in, you know in, install wearable tech f- or help um the general public to to preempt when they might get a virus or something like this by having wearable tech and, and that seemed like a good idea and there's a whole kind of political debate as to whether or not that was right or not. But that's where people's minds are, right, is to um, be able to self-diagnose at some point in the future, right, with, by, yeah. with technology. And, and you're right, if you can kind of see that it's, it's, it's happening, people are going to want to have a quicker um, solution to that or a more effective one than, than drugs, which at the minute we're just kind of trusting, aren't we, without knowing the actual details. So I can no. see there's real potential
1: fancy little ring that i wear and it tells me like your oxygen levels your heart rates you put it on the whole time helps you sleep and like that's the sort of technique it's also but like eye watch it does all that as well so um and then on diabetics i've got a little sensor plugged on here it tells me my sugar levels so like all of that will get plugged in um yeah. it's always a strange one in this country because because we have the nhs everyone thinks oh if i'm able Ill, I'll just go to the nhs but nowhere else in the world has that free healthcare system uh, a lot of countries say like switzerland you pay you're Um you pay in your insurance 100 200 pound a month whatever it is, um, and you get the standard of care is suddenly up here, suddenly they are able to look at optimum levels. And if people are at are healthy and have these optimum levels, the long-term stress on the NHS will be less. Um, the long-term people are going to be healthier when they're older. Uh, there's gonna be less respect for the environment. There's loads of the, the amount of sort of environmental impact and everything else when someone's in hospital each day in hospital the amount of equipment being used and time and resource um, if you could have a healthier elder population then that's going to be a good thing for everyone um, but at the moment the nhs is, it does a good job of what it does is helping those that are really ill but what about those that feel crap all the time but they're not ill um, and it's sort of like a lot of people go to their gp or i'm overweight or, i'll eat, eat three bits of fruit a day and i'll go to the gym it's like, easy enough to say <laughs> like but actually doing it and putting stuff in place. Like, yeah, this health tech will obviously help push all of that forward.
0: Yeah, sure. So, when, when did you start Get a Drip?
1: Um, October 2017 is when we actually launched. So, that's when the van opened and we took our first sale. Um, and then before that, I spent a few years obviously working on it in the back. Yeah, of course. Like but yeah, October 2017 is when we launched.
0: Yeah, okay. And um, you, you're now a, a franchise um, business. <laughs>
1: Look, I've got, we've got, I even got our um, BFA certificate arrived the other day. So, uh,
0: <laughs>
1: can't see it blurry, fantastic, yeah. it's a bit blurred, but yeah, we've got the stamp.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, how, how long ago did you franchise?
1: Um, not well. So, we started looking into franchise in 2018 2019. Um, okay. so there's a consultancy called Ashton's, I'd recommend for anyone looking at franchising. Sort of, we spoke to three or four consultants and then we went right like, to, to Ashton's, and sort of at that time. We had one clinic that we're running. We are having tons, hundreds of applications for franchising. Companies. Basically, people see the idea. Oh my God, this is amazing! I want to put it in my hotel. I want to put it in the city. I want to be the first to do it in this country. And so we are getting all these applications, and we're like, oh man, we need to um, need to franchise because, like, we're not health tech. We're not a tech company. So if you want to scale a bricks and mortar business, the only way really to do it quickly and financially sustainably is franchise. Um, yeah. So yeah, we started looking into it, but we weren't quite ready. So we went away for a couple of years, built the model out, tried to like test run a few other models to see if they'd work, like having hundreds of technicians or like having clinics. And after that, we then said, right, we'll we'll start with our franchise. I think it's we been going a couple of years now. So 2020 is when we actually launched the first franchise and now some COVID obviously there's a break in the middle, but most of our franchises right. are live have been running for about a year or so.
0: Yeah, wow. It's quite interesting listening to you talk because I'm I'm getting the sense you're very analytical in what you're doing, and I guess that ties into kind of like your early career, right, where you're, <laughs> you're going it's through the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, exactly. But um, it's interesting that your, your product sort of seems far away from it, but when you dig down, it is about that. It's about analysing what's the current state of play and what's the solution to get into to that healthier lifestyle. And I, yeah, it's quite interesting talking to you and, and kind of seeing that all all on earth really, but. What's, what's the, the, the future then for, for the business? What's the future well, for the brand that you see?
1: Um, so tonight I'm flying out to Rotterdam. So we're opening our first clinic in Holland. Um, cool. Tomorrow. Um, so international, definitely. So we've got um, Ireland opening their second clinic with Brown Thomas. So Brown Thomas is which my selfages, so essentially Selfridges in Ireland. Um, that's opening the week after that, their second clinic. So we're starting to uh, sell overseas. We're starting to sell in the UK. Um, we get something like 100 applications a month. Uh,
0: wow.
1: Crazy. Even like like today, like 10, I see them coming on the, on the lead board. Um, so, yeah, just expansion now. We sort of set up our franchise model, we know how it works. Um, we've got other surprises, like warehouse, pharmacy type stuff in the background as well, sort of help secure supply chain. Um, so, yeah, no, we've got all of that coming. It's just it's now rolling it out, essentially. We've got a really good franchise team as well. Built a support team, so we built all the infrastructure ready to go, and now it's just rolling it out. So, um, yeah, I think it's UAE, Saudi, uh, Lithuania, uh, few few to name that are like quite far down the funnel
0: Yeah, cool. So, it, in terms of the the types of people that you're generally looking for, what who are they? Are they people that are in in the health industry themselves already, or are they?
1: Um, so we've got three types of franchises. So. We went through so many, we, we went not just after because we spent ages getting t- tons of models because we'll, we'll try anything and start we'll trial anything to find the right fit. And we're not afraid of stuff failing and find different stuff. So what we have now is three, fr- what works, which is three models. So in the UK, we've got a mobile model. So if you're a nurse or nurse or doctor and you want to sort of do this, drive around to people's houses. So in London, we've got three mobile franchisees that well, we get a lead coming and we pass on to them. Um, they go to visit people's houses. Obviously, you are home over, for example, to make a bed. Dripping a bit, drip your bed um yeah. so we have this mobile but not only that it's, it's sort of a low-cost model so you're not about to walk out there for clinics and sort of fixed costs um, if you're a nurse and you want to change your career you might not have that part of the ground that an uh, experienced franchisee might have so it gives them an entry to market so we're getting that, the people that are in the health industry they're qualified to do it low-cost model for them uh, and we enjoy working with them as well and uh, then we've got some concession oh. model uh, this is if you've already got a clinic and you want to add our branded drips into your clinic so you might be a, any sort of a dentist or an aesthetics clinic or something else and you want to or a pharmacy and you want to sort of add this sort of niche or branded thing as a side so we have a that's what we call session model uh, and then we've got the full clinic which is like you take the full clinic you kit it out and you copy essentially what we offer
0: yeah wow again i didn't really think of the different kind of ways that you could you could have it i was thinking is a a clinic and and that's it but yeah it makes sense that you go out to people's houses and 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 do it for people that can't move maybe for for whatever reason or are are unable to go into town and i I guess um were you were you doing that sort of thing during covid was that something yeah
1: so yeah we've always done it so we've always done call outs because there's always been a can i have the drip at home can i have the drip at home so we've always done done call outs um during COVID, we did something called doorstop. We had all the full PP, of course, and people come to the door. Like our regular clients that need this, yeah. their monthly B12, once we've gone and let them down, GPs were only doing an urgent calls, So suddenly, actually, we had a lot of requests come up because the GPs suddenly are telling down the people that need their B12 shot. They might have paratious anemia or something, which makes you feel like horrendous if you've got that. Um, but so they're wanting their B12 injector. So we did something like doorstop. So they come to the doorstop and we inject them in the arm get back in the zip car we hired and then drive to the next person's house. And so yeah, we did, we did, we had to like think outside the box
0: of it for, for COVID. But... Yeah. But uh, uh, the reason I was kind of asking is it's quite a flexible model. I guess if, if you did have a clinic and it needed to, you know, people couldn't come in for whatever reason, then there's this other option or other way to, to, to run the business, I guess, and still, still yeah. make it work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the way we do it is we've mapped out the UK into, territories using a franchise mapping company um and then we sell different territories if it's city center so manchester city center birmingham city center places that are going to come this year they're reserved for clinics only because they need to have that clinic presence but then if you're in these sort of outer territories we're more than happy to have them as mobile
0: fantastic excellent well look um I I'm, I'm want to move on now and, and and sort of change the questioning slightly over to the, the the more standard ones that I ask everybody, but I like to because i find, i think you find some interesting stories in here so um my first one is what what kind of funny strange or weird stories have you had in your career
1: whether that's with
0: pwc or anyone or or what you're doing currently <laughs> funny
1: stories i could tell you i've uh, a bit of a... <laughs> Bit of a rebel, so there's tons of funny stories out there. Like, <laughs> stuff, I don't know if I should say, my staff will start being like, "Oh, look, if he does, it, it will be fine." But I never, i I've always been this flashback of this memory when I was at Sainsbury's. So I used to stack it like the, the fresh food at Sainsbury's, and I had yeah. uh, Jack used to work, and uh, no, Gag I used to work with me, and um, I never once was There for some reason, I decided just to launch a yoghurt at him um, in the back area, and it hit him, and it exploded all over him. And then, just, <laughs> and around the corner was like the store manager. <laughs> That was a funny one because she actually looked, didn't realise what had gone on. Was just, that was literally like I have i have been on the floor laughing because like, <laughs> um, I've had bosses like, I feel like, my engineering company has only one toilet there, and I was doing a number two, and the boss opens the door, and I'm just stood there like that. That was probably like um, an image that I'm never ever going to forget. That I could hear the whole office roaring after that. So yeah, I've had the, plenty of things like like that happen. Um, <laughs> it, it's always a lot of fun happening, like even at Get a Drew at the Fighter relax we're not like we're not the culture like the big four PwCs that doesn't happen like, you know, drip, it's more like work hard play hard enjoy yourself
0: yeah i'm getting i'm getting that feeling about your character is you know it's it's you're very analytical and want to make sure it's it's done right before you, you sort of go full into something and push too hard but uh, i think that's a good approach to take but there's a lot of fun in that yeah. as well like i don't think you're uh, it, it, when you when you hear that when you hear the word analyst, sometimes people think stuffy, right? But I'm not seeing that with you at all. From no, I sort of like
1: one of my investors says that you if you hire an accountant, you want an accountant that you can't take to a dinner party. Whereas I'm sort of the opposite of that. So I've never, and that's, I've never destined to be an accountant because it's just not it's just like <laughs> sitting for that amount of time and doing that. Like I have that analytical side to me, but I wouldn't want to be sat behind a desk doing it all day. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's cool. The
1: people part's massive, right? The culture gets It's a good one. People are happy.
0: We want people to be happy at work. So. Yeah, and and health actually is quite um, it's a personal thing, isn't it? You know, not everybody's quite happy. It, not, not everybody wants to share all of their personal details about their health with everyone. Like um, hardly anyone does, really, do they? So you've got to be able to build up that rapport to build that trust with them, I guess. So uh, yeah, really important. All right. So um, next question then is any proud, proud or inspiring moments
1: um what for me
0: yeah for you for you again in your in your career
1: um for my career, i think i've always like an average type student at school so like i think i've got one a b c's D's, D's, um at school so then when i when i got my degree and i failed <laughs> keep keeping to my normal route i failed my first year um, and <laughs> when i went back then i sort of got on the bachelor's did well enough to get on the master's and got a first. So like that was a massive oh, wow. thing. that you work for like five years to get that first. So that was a huge, huge one. Um, like becoming a chartered accountant, that was a big one. The amount of effort that goes into it and probably people don't like doing it as well. The amount of effort which you don't like doing it is a big one. Um, we won an award. Uh, so uh, British business awards, like uh, health and wellness Company, uh, category. Yeah, that was amazing. That was the winning award of recognition for the work you do and having like other people validate that, um, like that you're always proud of those but I mean it's when we, you hear about stuff that our staff do that's probably when you get the proudest or like you see customer feedback that's absolutely amazing and praising the staff that's when you feel the proudest because essentially like you've created this culture and way of working that is fed back to you that your clients can even feel and embrace how amazing it is so that's hands down beats everything customer reviews are it saved
0: my life, I literally couldn't move for weeks or you've done this and you've done that and that stuff is amazing as well so, Yeah, yeah. No, that's really cool, that's really nice and then um, my, my last question I wanted to ask is um, so you, you've been in the franchise and world a little bit now uh, for, for the last couple of years so it'd be interesting to find out from you if, if you met somebody who is looking to buy a franchise, what would your one piece of advice be to them?
1: Um. Number one, make sure it's an accredited franchise. So if it's in the UK, uh, BFA accredited, uh, because it took us a year and a half, maybe a year or more, just to get through that accreditation. So you know they've been through the, the rigour of, of it and the sort of staff has been tested. Um, so no matter what you're going to do, make sure it's accredited, so you know it's decent, because there's thousands that probably aren't. Um, yeah. So make sure it's accredited, uh, do your research, um, be sure it's something you want to do because so sort of when we're looking at franchisees um my opinion is that if someone a franchisee should be able to run it better than i ever could oh sorry anyone that i employ ever could because it's their business it's they've got to put the effort in um so commitment making sure you're ready for that commitment as, ma- as much as you, you might think it's a 30 40 hour week it's your business you're probably going to spend 50 60 70 hours doing it so sure. Um, making sure you're ready for that commitment uh, Having that sort of growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset that like i can't not not that i can't do it or i don't want to do this challenge or i'm not good enough to do this it has to be the opposite like this is an opportunity i can grow etc so having that sort of mindset uh positivity as well um, because uh, we have all sorts of applicants some have really detailed business plans some don't some do this and some don't but the rapport and the positive positivity always wins through. So.
0: yeah fantastic really good advice so thank you very much for for that Richard and thank you very much for spending so much uh, time with us today and um, for sharing your stories it's been really good to get to know you and and learn about your business because it's um something that's completely new new have out I there sold
1: it to you now have I sold it to you
0: <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a lover of needles and um I'm not sure I'm not sure about it for me but I think it could could work for my my wife you know I think it's <laughs> I'll test it out on her first that's what I'm saying (laughs)
1: it's it's always the men that faint as well
0: (laughs) yeah I I I never uh, fainted for anything like that until I had uh, a a cannula a while ago um I thought I had appendicitis had a cannula put in and um yeah I I, I could feel myself starting to to go getting hot and sweaty and that's as close as I've come but uh yeah she she's it's just like (laughs) fun for her almost to well
1: if she wants to pretend to pop down I'm sure we can sort out
0: Fantastic. Thank you once again for your time, Richard. And um, yeah, take care. Bye bye. Thank you very much for having me on. So there we go. That was my conversation with Richard Chambers, the founder of Get A Drip. I really enjoyed that conversation with Richard. He's quite a fun guy to to speak with and um, has very interesting perspective on the world. And I think it starts from his his early days as a a young entrepreneur, you know, selling watches to his friends. I don't think there was too many people thinking about that at that time. But it it was interesting how that entrepreneurial individual then as a a kind of moving into those teenage years and and moving sort of towards the end of education in, in high school. Or in secondary school, um, he was kind of almost pushed into uh, further education because kind of l- lack of direction really, but um, yeah, he, he's an entrepreneur, you know, it's no surprise he's gone back into that world, uh, it just makes me think, you know, uh, why why hasn't someone like him maybe been supported at that, that younger age in, in finding that path into entrepreneurship, and I think franchising potentially could be a vehicle for that for some people, but um, yeah, It's it's all about kind of understanding what the options are, I guess, and um, it's a topic that I I care about quite a lot. But um, going back to the the conversation with Richard, it was um, a business that obviously was born about from his need, and doing some research found a a huge opportunity. Really, Um, when when you look to the American market, yeah, it's massive over there. You know, for for anything and everything. Um, in terms of the, the, the IV drips for vitamins and I think he's, he's caught on to it quite early and is now becoming the leading brand in this space and that's quite an exciting prospect especially for anybody who's looking to join his franchise brand um, be, being part of a brand like that means there are a lot of opportunities for you to have success as long as you obviously follow the model within within the and industry but um, what, what I like is that he's he's already had the big idea, right? And anybody else can now buy into it. And that's that's something that I love about the franchise and industry is you don't always have to have the big idea yourself. There's somebody out there who's already found the big idea, perfected it, and now uh, five years later, after starting in 2017, I think it's it's probably a great time to to join his business. And and um, you can see that in the number of leads he's getting contacting him about um, about the opportunity. So. Um, Quite an exciting one to, to take a look at and and keep keep uh, tabs on as a business. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing them them grow. Um, his advice at the end there, again, all very relevant. I think I've I've heard it quite a few times that you know that accreditation with the BFA, if you're looking to buy a, a franchise, that's that's really important, right? That's um, th- these franchise brands have gone for a lot. You know, it's not just a case of uh, filling an application form and off you go there's a lot of detail that goes into uh, the accreditation lots of conversations back and forth and making sure that this is a, an ethical brand um, so yeah if you're if you're out there looking around for 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 opportunities like the sound of franchising um, check out the bfa and, and make sure that the the brands that you're looking at are, are accredited it it doesn't completely um guarantee that this is going to be a successful business but at least you've got some security, knowing that somebody else has done a lot of scrutiny on their brand before you do. Um, There are brands outside of the BFA that are fantastic as well, I have to say, but um, you're gonna probably need to scrutinize them a little bit more yourself as well. And and there's another uh, accreditation firm as well, the QFA, that it's worth looking at what they're doing there as well. So that's pretty much it from me on on this uh, episode of the podcast. Thank you very much again for, for listening. Um, final shout out to Symphony, the, the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, if you're interested in finding out more about what they can do for your business and help you to maximize uh, the, the customers that are approaching you on various different platforms, make sure you check out www.symphony.co.uk forward slash disenfranchised. So all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much for listening to this episode. Make sure you check out some of the other episodes that we've got. We're up to about 46 now, I believe. So lots of great advice and information in there from experienced entrepreneurs and and franchisors. Um, You can find more information about us and what we're doing on www.thefranchise.com. And I hope to to see you on another episode. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye.